Gentlemen, welcome to the Time Out with Josh podcast. I am your host, Josh. <laughs> so uh, before we get this started, we're going to dive into this stuff deep, y'all. Um, this is unfortunately the podcast I did not want to have to record, um, but we're here. We're here. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor, SpreadTheCheerUSA.org, and the Cheer Choice Awards going on in Las Vegas, Nevada uh april 7th 8th and 9th uh officially the 8th and 9th or when the event going on that friday and saturday doing awesome stuff recognizing positive creators uh across all social media platforms youtube instagram tiktok facebook etc um but recognizing those positive creators make sure you pick up your tickets today at spread the cheer usa.org get your uh, room special room pricing through the MGM Grand that goes on until the fifteenth. Um, so you've got uh, you got a couple of days left to be able to lock in those room prices. Guys, keep in mind they wanted me to remind you there will be no, absolutely no ticket sales at the door. Ticket sales end a week before the event, and you gotta have your tickets to attend. You don't have your ticket, you don't get to attend. There's an awesome pool party going on on Friday, all-day pool party, big, huge meetup, greet everybody, have fun, have a good time. You know, bunches of people are going to be there, your favorite creators, your favorite friends, your favorite your favorite buddies. They'll be there as well as Saturday um, at the Cheer Choice Awards, uh, cocktail party, food, uh, all sorts of awesome stuff going on there. So um, that's what's going on. Again, spreadthecheerusa.org. Go and donate, volunteer. Um, to help this awesome organization, and let's make it a uh, a big impact for them. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's talk about Ukraine. Um, let's talk about Russia and Ukraine. Uh, so, what I thought would not happen has happened. Um, I underestimated Vladimir Putin, and apparently, the people of Russia underestimated him as well. Because for the first time in uh, the history of Putin being in office since 1999, there are protests against Putin in Russia right now. So there's a lot of aspects going on. There's We've got China, we've got the White House, and we've got uh, Trump, um, and the White House being upset because of Trump's words, which we're going to cover. And again, you guys know I am not a fan of Trump. I'm not a fan of Biden either one of them at all. Um, but I, I'm going to explain the breakdown of politics there. And we also have Zelensky, um, the president of, uh, the Ukraine and, um, a lot of, a lot of questions we're going to try to answer with this. You know, why, why is there no, why has there been no military response from other supporting countries, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> this is what we've got. First of all, the Russians are, are continuing their offensive, um, the residents of Kiev have been urged to make Molotov cocktails, defend your country. Um, this is this is kind of reminiscent of Adolf Hitler, you know, telling the people of Germany to defend the motherland situation. I mean, that's that's what it kind of conjures up in my mind. 
And I'm going to tell you guys, um, yesterday I called my mom and I was talking to her for a couple of minutes about this. I lived in Russia uh, for a little bit, um, a few years after it opened back up to the West uh, in 1998. And um, it was very bone chilling, very bone chilling to watch a reporter stand in a very place that I have stood on a bridge that I have crossed and stood on multiple times in front of the Kremlin and Red Square and, 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 you know, St. Basil Cathedral and all the stuff that I've seen over there. And those pictures of that, of that reporter standing there talking, just, it chilled me. I'm not going to lie. It chilled me because I've stood there. I I've stood there. I've seen the beauty. I've, I've, I've watched the Moscow river flow through that area. And I've seen the beauty of, of, you know, the, the heart of Moscow and the heart of Russia right there. And, um, guys, it gave me the chills because, you know, some 24 years ago I stood there and, uh, it, it really, <laughs> I, I, ne I never would have thought. I never would have thought we would be watching reporters stand in, in Russia talking about Russia going to war. Because let's be real, that's what it is. Obviously, Putin is claiming that they're doing it to remove a genocidal um, dictator-ish maniacal leader. That's kind of what he's saying. Um, you know, like, he wants them out of there. Um, you know... It's it's a it's just a bad situation, um, and he's saying uh, you know he's bad and all this other stuff. Obviously, Zelensky is saying, "Hey, look, you know that that's not the way I am. That's not what's going on." Um, he's you know Russia saying he's fled. He's saying, "No, I'm still there." Um, you know, I, he he's saying that his family's still there. Um, we're not traitors. We're citizens. Um, they don't have rights to be here. Um, you know, the defense ministry told citizens to make Molotov cocktails, neutralize the occupiers. Uh, we've seen some of the, you know, the tweets and, and the news out there with that. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's a, it's a very, very interesting situation to literally have, have been in Russia and it lived there for a period of time and to, to look at the situation and go, wow, this is what's going on. And this is coming out of a, out of a country that I, I was in that I would not have thought this would have happened. Now, a lot of people are like, why, why did Vladimir Putin, why is Vladimir Putin so much like this? First of all, you've got to understand a couple of things. And this kind of, this kind of brings in the whole Trump situation, um, and the white house being mad at Trump because Trump praised, uh, praised the moves. Um, that that Putin made and the White House spokesman said that Trump and Putin are two nauseating fearful pigs who hate what America stands for guys I don't believe that Trump was sitting there praising Putin in a positive way I don't believe he was patting him on the back and going good job fella um he said that his view on the on on Putin's incursion into the sovereign nation was a stroke of genius. 
He's taking over a country for $2 worth of sanctions. He said, I'd say that that's pretty smart. He's taking over country, a vast, vast location, a piece of land, and a lot of people just walking, and they're just walking right in. And the thing is, is he's not wrong. Like, Russia's getting slapped with sanctions. Guys, we, 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 I don't know what it is with our political, our political landscape right now, but the mindset is that Russia is still stuck in the 80s. And they're not. Guys, they have oil. They have resources. They have a military that they've taken a lot of time and money to revamp in the last eight to 10 years and modernize and and upgrade and things like that. And what he's saying is that he's marching right in there with a slap on the wrist. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that I agree with Putin. He's recognizing Putin. That's the difference. He's recognizing him. So do I think he's wrong and recognize him? No. Do I think that our White House administration is a bunch of pussies? They can't stand up and like fucking listen to the whole situation? Yeah, I believe that. Um, but the thing is, is like Russia has this ability to to over overcome these sanctions. These sanctions are not crippling the way they would be to other countries. Russia has an extremely vast area of landscape, extremely vast area of landscape. They have extremely large resources ranging from oil to precious metals to gems and things like that and gold, et cetera, that they can, they can, you know, we're not dealing with a 1980s Russia, y'all. We're not dealing with a, a second world country. We're dealing with a very highly operational first world country with a president that has manipulated his Congress and his, I mean, I wouldn't call it a a constitution, but has manipulated their laws so that he can stay in power since 1999. And guys, you have to fucking realize Vladimir Putin is ex-KGB. And whether the KGB still exists or not is to be argued, but he's ex-KGB. Okay. This man is a KGB agent who then took over intelligence for the Russians, who then became the president of Russia. This guy does not have a memory of the Cold War. He lived the Cold War. This man lived it. And he didn't live it as a politician. He lived it as an operative. This man watched, watched as his country disintegrated into pieces and became Moldova and Bulgaria and Ukraine and Afghanistan and Tajikistan and all these other little chunks of land that got chunked off from the USSR and left Russia and these other countries. He saw that he, he didn't, he didn't just see it. He lived it. And there is a vindictive mindset in his mind that he wants it back. And everybody else is wrong. And Russia is a superpower. And Russia should get back what belongs to them. That's why he's making this choice. I am not condoning it. And don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning it. But this kind of goes to the, the story of Jesus Christ. Like if you, if you sit there and tell me that the Jews were wrong doing what they were doing and they killed an innocent man, I will agree with you. Okay. 
But also at the same token, do I believe that the Jews of the time, those, the priests and whatnot like that, and the people that want them crucified, Jewish or not, do I believe they did what they thought was right? Yeah, because this man was blaspheming God's name. That's what they felt. So it's the same thing with this. And that's what Trump is saying in saying, like, I don't blame him. Guys, Putin waited till after Trump was out of office because Trump would not have put up with this because of Trump being a chauvinistic asshole. A cocky chauvinistic asshole who literally, oddly enough, somehow kept Putin at bay. Okay? He, he, I don't know if it was the, uh, I'm I'm scared of the crazy man in, in the White House. I don't know what it was, but let's just put it this way. He kept him at bay. But right now we can all agree. And if you take a look at the, the polling numbers, you take a look at everything that's going across the board in, in the White House and everything like that. And the, the numbers, the approval ratings and everything like that, even Biden's own party. And this man has an excruciatingly low approval rating. Even within his own party, they say something's wrong with him. He's weak. He has no backbone. He's a pussy. Guys, we all know that the president of the United States does not run the United States. We know this. The power shift has happened and Congress runs the United States. But I would challenge, I would challenge anyone to tell me since World War II... What president have we had besides Ronald Reagan? What president have we had that has had a true backbone? And I'm not talking sit down and take it backbone. I'm talking fuck you leadership backbone. You may or may not like FDR, but FDR spoke up. You may or may not like Reagan, but Reagan spoke up. You may or may not like JFK, but JFK did speak up in the short time he was in office. Other than that, our presidents are very weak. You know, they're, they're kind of eh, eh, wishy-washy. Like, if you were to compare our presidents to some of these other world leaders that we sit there and go, whoa, shit, let's take Putin, for example, that guy doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. Well, I mean, let's be real, guys. And, and and I will I will gladly stand corrected on this one. But when was the last time you saw a president of the United States riding shirtless on a horse? Like, it, it hasn't happened. When was the last time you saw one of them throw a cowboy hat on, get on a horse, and start herding cattle? It hasn't happened because it's about politics. Congress runs this. And, and let's be real, guys. We've gotten to a point now where we've got our president that is propped up in office. This guy has like, he reminds me of my sister's dolls that had those little stands that made him stand up. That's what we're looking at right now. And the, and the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, sees that. He absolutely 100% sees that. He sees it and goes, this dude's weak. He ain't going to do shit. I'm not worried about it. I'll take a slap on the wrist and who is NATO. And like I said in the previous podcast, guys, it would be really, really, really easy if the president of the United States and NATO had gotten up and said, look, Ukraine will not be a part of NATO. Ukraine will not be a part of NATO because let's be real. That's what Russia's worried about. Russia's worried about us aligning with Ukraine and putting nuclear weapons and, and extreme military presence on Russia's doorstep, on their doorstep. 
we are we're we're buddy buddy with Canada, right? We're buddy buddy with Canada. We don't have a huge military presence on the doorstep of Canada. Why? Because we're not worried about them. But if you were Russia, if you if you put yourself in Vladimir Putin's shoes, you have done what Vladimir Putin has done. You've aligned with countries like Syria and China, etc. Wouldn't you be worried about the allies, the opposite side of you, whoever that was, putting weapons on your doorstep? Because I certainly would. I certainly would. And, and the thing is, is like the big slap in the face, and we're going to jump over to China here. The big slap in the face is for over three months, Biden's administration's held half a dozen meetings with Chinese and said, hey, look, Russians are building up troops around Ukraine and they begged China to tell Russia to not invade. And each time the Chinese officials were like, yeah, we're not going to do it. We're going to, they didn't think of an invasion in the works. And that's what the Chinese were saying. Chinese officials, including the foreign minister ambassador to the United States, said that they did not think an invasion was in the works. After one diplomatic exchange in December, U.S. government um, got intelligence showing Beijing had shared the information with Moscow, telling the Russians that the, that the United States was trying to sow discord and that China would not try to impede Russia's plans and actions. At, at what point did you think that a weak-ass, spineless fucking administration was going to get anything going on with China? The thing is, guys, we are so in debt to China that China doesn't give two shits. China does not fucking care. They don't. It, it is it is disconcerting and it is excruciatingly difficult. Excruciatingly difficult to sit there and look at the bullshit that's going on and say, you know what? I trust the leadership of this country, the president of the United States to do what's right for this country right now. The, the bad part about where we stand right now as a country, as U S citizens, as people that live in this country. And even as people that live outside of this country, the allies of this country, England, Germany, Israel, France, Italy, etc. We are seriously at a point where we are hoping that the president does the right thing, not knowing, not trusting. We have to hope. Oh, luck be with us. Luck be with us. I mean, we've got Russia coming in on the sites of Chernobyl. 1986, we had the nuclear disaster. And Russia seized the decommissioned power plant in the early hours of their invasion. And why would they take that? Why would they, why would they want Chernobyl? Why would they want Chernobyl? And as just, I mean, we, we may not know, um, but it is in a direct path of Kiev, which is the Ukrainian capital. Um, it's because of where it sits. If the Russian forces were to attack Kiev from the north, Chernobyl is right there on the way. Um, 
And it, it, it's almost like if you look at where it sits on a map, it, it almost looks like it's in the way. Um, Russian planners need to be able to cross rivers and hazardous crossings and things like that. And if they take that, it gives them a tactical advantage, if you understand it. Um, if they take that, they could take over the whole country. I mean, there's no question about it. They could take over the whole country. Um, and that's what it is. Uh, the thing is, is everybody's like, oh my God, it's Chernobyl, it's Chernobyl, Chernobyl. Let's be real. Vladimir Putin has no fucking desire to have a decommissioned plant that you can barely walk through without getting cancer. You can't, oh fuck, you can't even walk through. They don't want nuclear material floating around. They they know the danger, right? I, I mean, Russia, Russia, in my opinion, I do not believe Russia wants a nuclear war, personally. I was wrong with the invasion of Ukraine, but I really honestly believe that Russia does not want a nuclear war. The United States does not want a nuclear war, okay? Nobody wants a nuclear war because we know the kind of damage that that could cause to this world. Not just physically, but overall as a whole. Do I believe that Russia will keep the nuclear waste and things like that in check? Yes. Russia has been very good about keeping their shit in check, just like the United States has. But if you look at a map of the Ukraine and Belarus surrounding areas, Crimea, and Russia, you can tell that that is a tactical advantage to come through Chernobyl. And if you hold that, if you hold that area, take the name Chernobyl out. It is the area itself. If you hold that area, it gives them a tactical advantage. It gives them a tactical advantage to get to Kiev. All right. And right now we're looking at not just a war that's happening in Ukraine. Now we're looking at refugees that are fleeing Ukraine and trying to get to surrounding countries that will protect them, Poland, etc., to keep them safe. And we have troops that have amassed, some 7,000 of the 82nd Airborne, etc., have, have ramped up in Poland, on an airbase in Poland, to protect our interests there. I truly believe to protect our interests there. Um, but... It's there to it's there to to deter and 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 whatnot as well as you know handle refugees. Um, Russia's not joking, guys. Russia has amassed literally the largest concentration of hostile forces since the Cold War, and they've done it right on the border of Ukraine. And NATO inflicting sanctions, and when I say NATO, you know, NATO countries, NATO allied countries have done the same, Australia, United States, Canada, etc. Them doing that is, is like telling the giant, the big bully at school, stop touching me. And then hitting them in the crotch. It's going to hurt for a minute and then they're going to stand up and they're going to be fine. Guys, Russia's huge. It's huge. And 
what it is pushing us to is taking our nuclear weapons stockpile and modernizing it, accelerating that program, and accelerating spy programs, etc. Russia is a triple threat. Russia created what I said was going to happen. They did a cyber attack in Ukraine. So their intelligence community is feeling very, very confident because Ukraine's cyber attacks were child level. They were elementary level. And then Russia's modern or modernization program, this long-term modernization program, um, has taken off uh, U.S. nuclear weapons refurbishing and the chances of nuclear standoff are growing. We're going right back to high threat Cold War shit. Conventional forces, hybrid warfare, and nuclear saber rattling are the big things that Russia's got going for it. They have upgraded their conventional forces. Their hybrid warfare, i.e. hybrid warfare is... The act of supporting rebel groups, etc., um, using local forces and rebel groups against their own. That has increased. And NATO's power, strength, whatever, has steadily decreased in the last 20 years. The power of NATO as an organization has decreased. It has. It's become incredibly reliant on the United States government and unreliant on its on its own members and as we have seen in the last administration the pullback from being in nato and the overwhelming desire to not be nato's biggest funder has hurt nato then you have the other issue and and this is the issue that i think a lot of people have avoided talking about because of this we have Russia distracting us in Ukraine, right? Now, China, Xi, Xi Jinping, I think is the way you pronounce his name, Xi Jinping, um, wants to swallow up Taiwan, democratic Taiwan. And they're calling it like a war on terror. And, and Chiang Kai-shek left China and fled to Taiwan because it was trying to, trying to divert or trying to... Um, fight against uh, communism and China is democratic or, or uh, China's um, dictatorship, communist dictatorship and Taiwan is democratic. I've lived in Taiwan and this is why I'm like, so like this, this has hit me because I lived in Taiwan for a while. I lived in Russia for a while. And both of these countries are, 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 are about to be at war. And in the American national security establishment, Russia will be the wolf closest to the sled. Getting us, giving most, inform, you know, giving most um, attention, getting most attention rather. And America's focus on China is going to decrease because China, you know, South China Sea, the whole, you know, conflicts that we've seen between Russian or uh, Chinese ships and islands and United States naval vessels, uh, etc. 
has become increasingly large. And Taiwan is a very strategic piece of land for us. Obviously, Japan is, but Taiwan is hugely strategic. Like I said, I've been there. I the, the U.S. military presence in Taiwan is absolutely overwhelming. A lot of Taiwanese speak English because of the U.S. military presence. And NATO is now looking at a situation where they have to posture up. They have to get a backbone. Because after 20 years in the Middle East crap that's gone on, now we've got an issue with the big boys, Russia and China. And we're talking big boys. These guys aren't Middle Eastern countries that have a core nucleus of good fighters and the rest of them are pussies. That's not what we're talking about because we 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 got initially in in Iraq there was there was a fight Russians had, or, you know, the Russians tanks and whatnot like that, that existed in, in Iraq and their core fighters, their, the hit, you know, Saddam Hussein's personal guard, etc. Freaking rough guys, dude, these guys fought hard, but we were able to obliterate them pretty handedly. That is not, that is not Russia. That is not China. These are first world countries with first world technology, with first world abilities, and first world money, and first world resources. That's what's frightening. This, I am going to predict now, this is the one and the only time that we'll see Biden in office. He will not get reelected. He will not be seen as a president of influence. This here, his exorbitant claims about ending certain things like COVID this experience with Ukraine and all of that is going to bury him. This is it. You are not going to see him in office again because the American people, top to bottom, left to right, within his own party and outside of his party, see him as a weak, spineless coward. That is the way he's seen. And that is the problem that we have right now. We are in desperate need of an administration and a Congress that has a backbone. We're in desperate need of a lack of partisan behavior. We need bipartisan support for the people. And the division that's been created in the last few presidencies and Congresses is absolutely astronomical. People that are in office need to be out. And I mean across the board. I'm talking from Supreme Court to Congress to the president. People need to go. We have reached the precipice as a country 
we have reached the precipice. Whether we're on the top of it or not, I'm not sure. But we have reached the precipice of looking weak. We're there. We have relied on other people's money. We've relied on other people's resources. We have shelled out billions and trillions of dollars to other countries when we don't belong doing it. We have gone to war with countries that we don't belong going to war with. And I will applaud, I will I will actually applaud Biden for not getting involved in Ukraine in the sense of physical military assets. I will applaud him for that. We need to do things to protect Ukraine. We need to do things to help Ukraine. But when I say we, it's not we, the country, we as in we, the people of Europe and the United States. But we are not the world's police. Things need to be done. Things need to be taken care of. Sanctions have to happen and things like that. Not these weak-ass little pussy-ass sanctions. I'm talking like cripple them. But it needs to be done. Yes. But not jumping to send troops into Ukraine and put us into a conflict that that is not where we need to be. Especially just pulling the trigger. Oh, we're going to go over there. I will applaud him for But we have to start looking at ourselves and going, when are we going to stop putting up with this? Like I said in the last podcast, we have had presidents in the last few presidencies that have done way more than Richard Nixon ever did and Richard Nixon got impeached for. And these guys are getting away with it. It is weakness. It is weakness. And it's sad. And like I said, do I think that there is something going on that, again, behind this with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden with Ukraine and Chinese and all that all that crap that they've gotten? Yes. And that makes us weak. When you're in bed with the enemy and you're sleeping with the enemy and having the enemy's babies, it makes it very hard for you to fight the enemy. And that's what we've been put into is a situation where we're sitting here with our heels rocked back and looking at it and watching our allies take it on the chin because we've got people that are in bed with those enemies. We cannot jump to be in Ukraine militarily. We can give them resources, but we can't jump to be inside of Ukraine militarily by ourselves. This is why NATO exists. This is where NATO needs to step up. And like I said, NATO has lost that power. And this is this is where NATO needs to make that choice. This is not on the U.S. This is on a collective. If you want to be a part of NATO, let's do something in NATO. If you don't want to be a part of NATO do do without i mean you don't see south africa jumping to or you know to send troops there you don't see australia jumping to send troops into into or canada into uh into ukraine they're not jumping to do it and neither should we neither should we and that's going to be an unpopular opinion and i'm sorry for those of you who are from ukraine for those of you who are ukrainian descent i am sorry 
I know that that's a tough pill to swallow, but that is not what we're supposed to do. Now, as a whole, as a part of the UN, as part of NATO, that should be something that NATO does, where they step up and they say, hey, we as a collective group of countries do not agree with what you're doing. And if you continue to do so, we will inflict pain on you in a way that is non-confrontational in the sense of shooting bullets, but will cause you issues. And if you choose to continue to escalate the situation, we will meet your escalation. But guys, the way to de-escalate any situation, either whether it's a, if it's in a bar, person to person, if it's in a workplace, if it's in a marriage, wherever it is, the way to de-escalate a situation is to be one step underneath them. Do not meet them at their anger level, their yelling, their saber rattling. Don't meet them there. You go one step behind and bring them down. Bring them down to your level. Do not rise up to theirs. Bring them down to yours. Hey, let's talk about this for a second. Let's figure this out. But you have to do it with resolve. You have to do it with strength. You have to do it with a sense of, of pride. You have, to, you have to be very, very strong in the way you say it. But you do it in a way that brings them back. Hey. Ukraine, Russia, let's come to the table and talk about this. What in the hell is going on? Not, hey, let's launch rockets into Russia. Let's hit them with little little economic sanctions that don't do anything. I mean, guys, the economic you know they're, the economic sanctions is like, you know, some tech companies wanted to send computers to them, and the United States said no. Ooh, big whoop. That's going to make things happen really bad for Russia. But having said all that, guys, Russia is not keen on what Putin is doing. The country is not keen on it. The ruble, the value of the ruble fell significantly. Their economy took a hit. Their their trade markets, stock markets took a hit. Um, And now they have people protesting, saying, why are you doing this? Keep in mind... These people are people that at one point in time were a part of the Soviet Union and at one point in time um, were that country. So having said that, when you look at these people that are protesting, they're, they're protesting on behalf of possibly relatives. People that they don't see as Ukrainian, but they see as family. They don't see them as a different country. They see them as family members. They see them as people that are are that are their friends and their cousins, their aunts and their uncles. Um, and that's what they're protesting, guys. So Putin doesn't have that like support behind his country. This is not a collective Russia wants to go to war situation. That's not the collective there. It may be a different story with, with China and Taiwan, but this is not the story here. So you've got people that are sitting there telling Vladimir Putin, look, dude, we're not on this. And Vladimir Putin's going kind of rogue. He's going a little rogue here, y'all. He's going like, hey, I've got a point to prove. Hey, I lost a lot of, I lost a lot over here. I want it back. And, you know, I lived this and I saw this fall and I saw the West, i.e., you know, uh, Western European and America um, do things to our country during the Cold War, and I don't like it, and I'm going to swing back. 
And you know what? He didn't swing when Trump was in office. He didn't swing when he had somebody that would go toe to toe with him. He didn't swing when he had somebody that he recognized because I I know for a fact, if you read the transcripts, if you listen to what Vladimir Putin said, he recognized Trump as being a crazy man. He said he's crazy. He he was like, no, he's powerful. He's crazy. I, I, I admire his strength. Those are things that he said about Trump. He has yet to say that about Mr. Park and or Jerry, I mean, Mr. Uh, Biden. <laughs> Dementia Biden. He has not said that about him. Why? Because he knows that Biden is a has-been, washed up, totally and completely messed up in the head, lifetime politician who has no experience in doing anything but sitting around on his blessed assurance, using the M-word in Congress like it's going out of style, oh, and we're going to forget about that one, and being a lifetime politician. One of the youngest to ever, to ever, ever head up a community or not community, a committee. Vladimir Putin, on the other hand, was a foot soldier for the KGB. So he's looking at him and he's going, he's weak. So again, me not, me not saying, yeah, Putin's awesome. Me saying, this is why Putin's thinking this way. Like Trump said that. And Trump didn't do it as a, Hey, Putin's awesome. Trump did it truly as a, I can see why he did this. He did it now. He did it while somebody was weak in office. And now the chauvinistic side of Trump, Trump's like, oh, look at me. If I was in office, this wouldn't have happened. Like, dude, shut up from that part. That's one step too far. You don't know that. We don't know that. We know why he's doing it now, but we don't know that. Don't get yourself butt hurt because you lost an election. But guys, like for real, this has gotten just absolutely asinine. This has gotten absolutely asinine. And if we as an American collective can just for one minute stop being snowflakes, stop being victims, stop looking for somebody to offend us, and literally look at each other and go, you know what? We need to right this ship. We need to start doing what's good for this country and good for the people, not good for our own interest groups, not good for our own small little community group of people that does not affect the rest of the country. We need to stop all this crap and we need to get people in office that are going to stand up, have a backbone, only be there for a certain amount of terms and do the job well, do it right and don't get fucking pushed around then we're going to be okay because right now the current administration has escalated us right back into Cuban missile crisis level cold war shit. And if you don't believe that you need to get your fucking head out of your ass because the amount of spies that are in the United States, the amount of spies that are in Russia on both sides that are messing with stuff electronically, spying on each other, jacking around with elections, jacking around with banking, jacking around with internet, doing all that kind of shit is absolutely astronomical. And if you don't believe it, again, get your head out of your ass. And now we're on the precipice of this guy is invading a country that knocks on the door of a NATO nation, a UN nation of Poland. These are the two 
nuclear superpowers in the world that are conflicting with each other. He's invading. We're slapping him with little lightweight sanctions, nothing that's heavy enough to do anything to that country as a whole. We're slapping him on the wrist. We are at the precipice. We are at the, not the precipice, we are at the edge of going right back to the Cuban Missile Crisis level Cold War status. We are right there, guys. We're right there. Our children could very easily, within the next year, be sitting there practicing how to protect yourself from a bomb if, if, if bombing sirens go off. And we know for a fact that that happened in World War II. It happened during the Cold War. And we didn't get bombed during the Cold War. That didn't happen, but the practice of it did. And we are very close to looking at our children doing that. We are our parents, the Gen Xers that did it, the baby boomers and Gen Xers that went through that. We have now the the Gen Z millennials that don't even know what the fuck that means. And we're about to have our, our children that are in their you know early teens and down are about to start having to do that because we are looking at the edge of a Cold War again. We're looking at the edge of it. We are standing there looking at the edge. It is within reach and something needs to be done. And the thing is, is we all as human beings, we all are looking at Ukraine and our hearts are going out to Ukraine and the Ukrainian people that are experiencing something that was unprovoked. They did not go into Russia and pick a fight. And we are the lovers of the underdog by nature. And in this case, these are the biggest underdogs. The biggest underdogs. And we are sitting there looking at them and going, why are you doing this? And it is hard for us to understand the whole picture when we see pictures of body bags and homes and apartments getting bombed. It is difficult, and I am not trying to minimize that, y'all. I understand that. My heart goes out to them. I watch their president, Zelensky, talk, and I'm like, dude, man, you can tell this guy is distraught. And I listen to Putin talk, and I go, you angry fucking asshole. Like, do you, what? Like, where, where is this coming from? Like, you are obviously very bold-faced lying. I don't understand this. Why are you picking on Ukraine? Like what the fuck? Leave them alone. You're you're the you're the 19-year-old high school reject bully that's still in high school because you can't pass your grades, picking on the fucking third grader that just wants to go to school. Like why? I get it, y'all. I get it. But we we are we are in a position right now that this is way more volatile than what it looks like, guys. And that's why I'm saying we're on the edge of that Cold War stuff. And if we don't do things politically, economically, etc., to hit Russia where it hurts, we are going to end up in a very, very, very bad place. And right now, the administration is attempting to do those things. Attempting. NATO is attempting to do those things. I personally don't think they've ramped it up enough on the sanctions to do that yet, to equal what they've done. Like, I believe that the sanctions should equal the amount of attacks that they that the Russians are doing in Ukraine. 
the Russians are attacking Ukraine, physically attacking them. They haven't amassed troops. We're not trying to deter them. They're there. They're bombing sites. They're having flyovers. I mean, we're, we're talking about, we're, we're talking about the ghost right now. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's a Ukrainian pilot that's credited so far with six victories, which is in modern day times is fucking unreal. That's like Red Baron status. If you don't know who Red Baron is, look it up. But like we're 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 not hitting them hard. We're kind of <laughs> pussyfooting around them, and it needs to be done. Russia right now is being the bully. The thing is, though, we as a country, NATO in their weakness has allowed them to be this bully. They've allowed them to get to bully status. They have gone unchecked. So having said that, I went into this podcast simply this way. And if you're in the Ukraine and you're hearing this podcast, and I know I have some Ukrainian listeners, I have some Russian listeners. If you're in the Ukraine and you hear this podcast, if you are Ukrainian, if you're of Ukrainian descent, if you still have family members in Ukraine, my prayers go out to you. My thoughts go out to you. Us here at Time Out with Josh hate that this is going on for you. We hate that your country is being bombed. We hate that your country is being torn apart. I know that it is sad for you. I know that it hurts. I know that it's hard. Our prayers are with you. Our thoughts are with you. People of Ukraine, our thoughts and our prayers are with you. I am sorry. I pray God's speed upon you. I pray for your protection. I pray for your strength. And I pray for your safety. This is rough. But you're going to get through it. And it's not going to be easy. But you will get through it. I appreciate you guys being here today. I know this has been a heavy podcast. This has been different than some of the other podcasts. But this had to be addressed. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. You guys are amazing. You guys are awesome. Make sure you go to our sponsor, spreadthecheerusa.org. Check them out. Donate. Volunteer. Meet us at the Cheer Choice Awards. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is Time Out with Josh. Signing off. 